it. But it's it's not got any baggage. It's just like, yeah, it's over. It's over. That's it. And, and we're survive. done. There we go. Stephen's got to go off and finish in this list. And we're yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just spilled water all over his Is that okay? Wipe it with the towel. Is that okay? Oh, my God. George just spilled. All right, I'm going to get some tissue. We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. We're on the table. We're George, episode 25, 6? 26 of the show. Yes. We're, we're, yeah. we're still here. We're still going. What do you mean we're still here? Like <laughs> still that was, here, yeah. still, like, you're still here? Uh, George, I really wish you dropped out by yeah. now and it was just me. We're back. Uh, people are still e- still emailing us. Look, don't say it like it's a bad thing. No, That's I'm good. Just, people I'm continue. Like, people continue. I get to. my phone and sometimes I'm like, oh, someone sent send me a message. How yeah. nice. We um, did ask them to. We, did, we do ask them to. And if you want to email into the show, you can do by writing to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Um, and yeah, should we just go straight into it? Let's this one it. is from Isaac. Hey, Pulp Kitchen. Hey. Uh, we've never been called by the name of the podcast before. No. It's usually fellas, lads, gents, gents, chaps. Yeah. And now it's, hey, Pulp Kitchen. Good afternoon, Pulp Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, recently discovered you guys and love your podcast, Thank Isaac. You, Thank Isaac. you. Uh, one of my favorite actors and suggestions for potentially underrated is Bruce Dern. Who's Bruce Dern? Uh, you do know Bruce Dern. He, he's on. Laura Dern's dad. And he was in, like, oh. he, well, most recently you'll know him in, like, as he, I believe Isaac's email continues to say, uh, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Hateful Eight. And, yes, um, I know who this is. One scene in Django Unchained. In some ways, he's very rated by the film community, but by casual film goers, I can't imagine he's a name that means much to them. Any and every film he is in, I've been in, I've loved. The Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, The Burbs, to name a couple. At the very least, every scene he's in, he's the best part of it. The best part of it. I don't know how underrated you'd consider him, but he's an unmatchable gem, in my humble opinion. All the best, Isaac. I mean, yeah, we just said. I well, now know exactly who that person is, and I could is agree. Is he underrated? I mean, he is a good actor. I think Bruce Dern, Bruce Dern has been around for ages. Mm. He's been an actor for like... 56 years you know he's like already in his 80s now i mean he was in you know in the 70s he's in that film mark hammer loves silent running which yeah. i've seen it's okay interesting it's all, it's okay right. yeah um, uh, he's in that and he's in the, the robert redford great gatsby you know, so, right. and, and he's just been in stuff been and he's around. in coming home i think the film about vietnam veterans he's just been in stuff yeah continued to be but really laura dern is more known to audiences and we'll be talking about her later in Ooh, the show yes um this one is from jonathan this one is from jonathan hi james and george there you go that's just the nice. names that is, there you that, go those yeah. are our names yeah. yeah we'd love to hear what some of your favorite foreign language films are roma right. son of saul are amongst some of my favorites and let's not forget brazilian crime epic city of god yes. which is one of the most brilliantly told stories i can remember and very rewatchable really loving a podcast and look forward to each episode thanks jonathan jonathan thank you thank you um so look that is a yeah. very good question I, and definitely something that i would love to we would love to yes. tackle in an episode i think the reason we haven't done yet and Correct me if, mm. if you think differently. Yes. Is that you've got to be careful how you discuss films not in the English language in a way that isn't completely binary and kind of myopic because you run a danger as us as two mm-hmm. English-speaking blokes to be like, oh, there's all these films that are in the English language and then eh, there's all these other films that we can just lump into the same category as non-English films. Yes. But really, you're talking about every other country on the world in the, in the world making movies right yeah. so it doesn't seem fair to in one episode just just because they don't happen to be in english mm. to talk about a film that's from chile or from poland or, or from austria you, you see what i'm saying it's like when people say um 
what's your favorite indie film? And I'm like, yeah. well, what do we mean by indie? Exactly. Because that film you just talked about being an indie film was actually by a major distributor mm. and like A24 is not really indie. It's, yeah. like, it's, uh, it's on the way, but like, it's again, it's, it's careful classification. I definitely agree with those two selections. Fantastic films. Yeah. Was Roman Son of Saul. Um, but... Have you seen Son of Saul? Yeah, yeah. Oh Son my God, I did. Yeah, oh, no, oh, wow. Fucking yeah. hell, what a... What a film. I, I almost didn't bring Sorry, it up. I, when we talked last week about Schindler's List, I was going to mention it, but I thought, oh, you haven't seen it. No, no, I've seen Sun of Soul. Um, wow, great. What, what, that was 2017, 2015. 2015, uh, yeah. And it's a Hungarian film, Laszlo Nemes yes. film, I believe is the director. Um, but anyway. But so I, I think we, I think maybe as long as we caveat it with that, people understand that we're looking at it very much from... Uh, an English-speaking person's point of view. Yeah. Looking at the rest of the world to see what's out there. And also, and also English... might be okay, but... Eng oh, sorry, go on. No, but so that's why we haven't done it yet, but I, I think it's something we would like to talk about in the future. We've got to be careful, like, because English is the dom like such a predominant language in pop culture yeah. that if we were French, we wouldn't probably be talking about films as, like, what's your favourite English film? Yes. Or what's your favourite, like, because a film that's Dutch or Norwegian to French isn't necessarily in their category of films. It yes. just It's just how we, yeah. how we consider it. Um, yeah. This one's from Katarina. Hi there. I love listening to your podcast and I would love to hear your opinion on this. What movie will you be watching on opening night or first? Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, or Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan? I really hope I hear your response. And what's from the date they recommend? Is it, 20, isn't it July 1st, 2023? Is that I think that's it? Could be. So, no one usually does this summer. Summer. I, I, I think it's July first, twenty twenty three. I've seen this being circulating on the internet. It's like, what are you gonna do opening night? And this is classic. When there are really big films that suck up the box office, the multiplex, they take up half the screens in the multiplex. You always, always have, no matter how big the film is, counter programming. And I remember when um, Force Awakens came out, which was one of the biggest films yeah. of that decade. Tina Fey was doing press for a comedy with sisters. Um, yes, yeah, with sisters. And she was very much acknowledging on the Graham Norton show. She was like, I'm promoting the other film this month that yeah. isn't Star Wars because no other films came out. Yeah, they yeah. all just were like, nope. But it's a big thing because many people go, I don't want to see Star Wars. Yes, I want to see this. But that usually works when the films are of different sizes. But I, and okay, I just, you know, Nolan's big, but. Yeah, yeah. And I was just about to say, I don't think Barbie is it's definitely, film. I think, going to be presented as a counter, counter programming, but I, I don't think it should be considered yes. that. Yeah. Um, but that's a tricky one because, uh, you know, I want to see, see two films in a week. I can see four films in a night. Yeah. Uh, double bill. Should we do it? A double a bill. A double bill. Barbie, oh, Barbie <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. With, uh, with breakfast. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, then Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer in the afternoon. The, yeah, afternoon. You could do three in a day, actually. Yeah. What else is coming out? Let's see what other things are counter-programmed <laughs> for that yeah. day yeah. next year. It will be like Andre Dieu at like, live at the Sydney Opera House. What? You know, like they do the opera at the cinema? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. All yeah. That, all oh, like yeah, the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, but oh, I think yeah. we can say to say we're, we're, we're keen to see them both. Um, this one is from Joe. Hi, gents. Back to gents. Uh, love the podcast. All the extra bits as well. Yeah, we do well, extra good. bits. Yeah. Podcast comes out on Wednesday, the numbered ones. Yes. And then we just post like all the extra yes. bits, reviews. And it, they're not extra because they're worse. Yeah. They're not the bits of the episode you've already seen. No. They're, they're bits you haven't seen. They didn't get cut and we went, uh, just sneak no. it out. No. It was like, you guys, you know, save it for later. Yeah. 
the Northman deserves its own room to breathe. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic Beasts 3. Do you want to sit here for three hours? No, we no. recognise that. I so want to be <laughs> I want to be pinging you with Pulp Kitchen every single other day. Anyway, all the extra bits as well. And absolutely, it's really late. We're getting weird. Um, an absolutely excellent film that snuck in cinemas earlier this year with no advertising, but was totally brilliant, was a new Guillermo del Toro film, Nightmare Alley. Yes. Uh, it follows Bradley Cooper during Depression-era America, joining and working in a circus. Uh, it has an excellent cast, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Ron Perlman, Willem Dafoe, mm. yeah, uh, along with Rooney Mara, who I feel is massively underrated. I feel like we're going to get this for a while now. Every yeah. time someone mentions a film, we're also going to get like, the other one. Everyone has their own little one, the championing, which I like. Um, even to compare quickly her performance in Nightmare Alley, where she plays this sweet girl who gets swept up in Bradley Cooper's character's dreams and finds herself feeling lost and alone after they find success yeah, and fortune. Yeah. It's an incredibly strong and powerful part in That Girl and the Dragon Tattoo. Side note, she is married to Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. One other wild card suggestion is for, un for underrated actors is Miles Teller. We just discussed Miles last Teller week. in the last week. Yep. Uh, we agree and we actually talked about an interesting reason as to why that might happen. But yes, you go on to say his performances always get overshadowed by uh, Jonah Hill and War Dogs, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. Uh, I agree. Uh, but yeah, yes. kind to, keen uh, to hear your thoughts and that's from Joe. Okay, right. Thoughts. So, uh, Let's start with Guillermo Del's horror film yes. Nightmare Alley. I haven't seen that. It's been it came out, there were posters for it on the tube, and I don't know anyone who saw it. And it got it's now on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it got nominated for an Oscar. But I really feel like it's it's one of those strange things where Guillermo de Toro won an Oscar for Shape of Water. This is his follow-up film. Yeah. It's like people were done with it. In the same way, Barry Jenkins, one with Moonlight, came back with if Bill mm. Street can talk, everyone kind of moves on. I'm not saying that Nightmare Alley is bad or anything like that. It's mm. just like, has it has has anyone like this sounds really See bad, it. but I've got I've got a big flight coming up, and I might load it up on the iPad oh, and watch no, it. James. Is that really bad? Oh, I don't think I think I Guillermo deserves better. What if I do it on the on the trip in the hotel room on laptop? Is that more is that more appropriate? What am I meant to do? It's, it's on Disney it, Plus. It's a balance, it's confined it's a balance Plus. between like, do I try and watch it when I can? Yeah. Or if you save it to try and watch it in the right time, you'll never watch I it. I know. This is like a conversation we had ages ago about who, what right does anyone have to demand that someone see something in this incredibly oh, yeah, expensive yeah. and unaccessible means, which is the cinema, which yes. is only available if you're lucky for like two months yeah. or less. Um, and if you've missed it, you've missed the premium way to view the film forever. Mm. But no matter how good your cinematic experience was, which is definitely better, that film now exists almost for, for eternity a, on the small screen. The small yeah, screen. that's a really good point. And uh, especially with now uh, everything shot in large format, oh, you didn't see it in IMAX? Oh, you missed out. And it's like, well, yes, but should the film really stand up on a plane as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We, yeah. We had this conversation like, in one of our earliest episodes, I think, maybe. Yeah, was it one, it, no, one it, was, we talked, it was about Denis Villeneuve. And, uh, so it was last year. Last year. It was last Fine. year, I'm sure. But yeah, it is, it is this thing of... Yeah. How can you say, oh, don't watch that on the phone? But then, like, but I then have seen people watching. Is it better Tenet just? To, is it phone? better better just to make sure people watch it, like mm. watch it and stuff? But then, yeah, where do you draw the line? Like, on a phone, no. Yeah, or on like Apple you know, when they they, uh, they televise national theatre performances. Is that not a valid way to see the play? I don't know. Mm. Anyway, we'd love to see it. It we did yeah. we did miss it a bit. Can't um, catch them all. Sorry. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you very much for your emails this week. If you would like to send us an email, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'll try to read it out on the show. Yeah. And sometimes we, we, we will do it because we've already recorded an episode. You might get it in a week or two later. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> try and do the, the, the laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so George, for better or worse... Jurassic World Dominion, the third Jurassic World film, is coming out in a few weeks. Yeah. And this film is starring 
Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, the original three cast members who starred in the first Jurassic yeah. Park, are rejoining and Chris Pratt. They are, they are rejoining. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a little Avengers moment, and they're all going to team up and yeah. say, "Don't move." Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to probably see that film because of my love for this film, which is Jurassic Park, which you and I this week rewatched. Yes. And if you don't know, we've done a couple of these now. These are our sort of deep dives where we either encounter a significant anniversary of a mm. film or we have a approaching sequel where we feel like we want to go back and watch mm. the film that, that, that was before it. We just did Top Gun ahead of Top Gun Maverick, which yes. is out soon. And then we've done what we did, The Godfather 50th. Uh, the Exorcist, we've never seen it. So we yes, watched we that. Watched that. The, yeah, and, Jaws. And Jaws, we the play went to go out. see the play, which was like a companion piece of the film. And... We thought we would do the original Jurassic Park. Because I don't think, as an adult, I've, I, I can't actually remember ever, yes. even as a child, watching it through from start to start. So finish. I was going to ask you, like, until this week, yes. where you'd seen it, your relationship with Jurassic Park was not you didn't fragmented. anything into it, but fragmented. Incredibly fragmented. So I knew bits and pieces, but this, I think, was the first time the full two hours. So this is a film I think I've... Uh, it's one of in my sort of top ten films I've rewatched the most. Not that that list exists, mm. but I can imagine if I were to, yeah. if someone had if a, if it, someone then. had a census yeah. of all the films that how many times I rewatched, I imagine the first Jurassic Park would would be in it. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to give a, a load of background into this film. I'm sure everyone knows it. I'm sure most of you have seen it. Um, it's a pretty big film, pretty big film, and you'll you'll see how how big it is and how big it got. Um, but it's obviously directed by Steven Spielberg, and it came out in 1993. Um, and this was a huge film. Um, this like was revolutionary in terms of its its visual effects, which I'll go into, its practical effects. And despite the film being called Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs in this film, which is the first thing I learned about this, only have about 15 minutes of screen time. Mm. And the reason I start with this fact, because nine minutes of that 15 are animatronics and six minutes were computer generated. And one of the things that drew Steven Spielberg to doing this film was that he was shown a tech demo mm. of how they were going to do a CG dinosaur. And he said, yeah, this is great, but it would be I, I'd really want to move the camera. And they said, yeah, we can do that now. Mm. We, we, we can keyframe it and, and match it. And he was like, what? And one of the things that we don't know, but you know, going back to watch this, is that back in the day, to do a CG shot, you had to have the camera locked still. Couldn't move it because you couldn't mm. sync up the stuff. Yeah. And then you'll notice in this film, the camera is able to move yeah. while the digital dinosaurs mm. are moving as well. And one of the things which was a, a rule for this camera is that uh, a rule for this film is that any wide shots where you can see the whole dinosaur, a CG, and any close-ups mm. are animatronics. Yeah, animatronic, yeah. So you know, the first time you see the bronchiosaurus, that's obviously a, a digital shot. But then there's moments when the T-Rex flips the car yeah. and the eye comes down by the yeah, by yeah, the yeah, window, yeah, and you know when he flashes the light and yeah. the pupil dilates, yeah. and that's an animatronic, and you can really feel and see yeah. the rain catching on it, and it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful detail. Um, so yeah, it was directed by Steven Spielberg, as I said, who was having a pretty insane year yeah. because in 93, he also released Schindler's List. Yeah. And it's known that he was quite thankful for Jurassic Park because while he was shooting Jurassic Park, he was editing Schindler's List, which he obviously found very draining for obvious reasons. And he was really thankful that Jurassic Park was a lot lighter. Mm. But it's also almost worth like just taking a breath to be like, what a what a filmmaker to release those two mm. films in a year and have them both nominated for Best Picture in one year. Jurassic Park was nominated. Jurassic Park was nominated, visual effects and sound. Oh, okay, not Best Picture though, sorry. Not Best Picture, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. up for Academy Awards. I know, Award. fantastic. I mean, like, what the height of his powers. What a, what a, to, and, to do that in the space of a year. And also, like, therein lies the two strands, really, of Spielberg, as we know now. Yes. You talked before about, you know, 
having films come out just before you, you know before you were born. It's weird that there was a time when Spielberg was just known for doing blockbuster stuff. And then, you know, Schindler's List came out. And, you know, that's why um, Spielberg couldn't film in certain areas in Poland because there was a massive idea that you're this big blockbuster filmmaker and you right. want to come and shoot at Auschwitz because they obviously did shoot yes, at Auschwitz. Yes, they did, yeah. So it took a lot of convincing. And now, but the idea of Spielberg being able to do serious dramas, yeah. big dramas, but serious dramas, yeah. Schindler's List, Lincoln, Munich, yeah. things yeah. like that, um, whilst also doing the blockbuster stuff and everything else in between. And it's like saying whilst doing that, and that's not to reduce what Jurassic Park is doing. Because it's all. important not to remember this is the first time we're seeing dinosaurs depicted yeah. in yeah. motion with actors in, in the frame. Yeah. Um, and first time we're like hearing the sound of what dinosaur, dinosaurs sound like. And remember that like yes. that T-Rex roar is just what dinosaurs sound like now. Yes, it, but in there's everything. no evidence that that was actually how they sounded like. No. Correct me if I'm wrong, you might say this later, but isn't it the cross between a lion roar and an elephant Raw. I don't know. have this, but I've heard it's a mishmash of like Those the biggest two. animals they could find. Yeah. That, that and you can kind of hear that. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I remember I was on Safari and there were like lions sleeping easily 150 meters away and they had just like eaten this, this, this like yeah. huge carcass. But when the lion yawned, it like rattled the sound, like yeah. rattled through my body, and I feel like, oh my god, I am yeah. prey in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, that's a really scary, like, deep roar. Um, but yeah, so the, it's actually based on a book written by Michael Crichton of the yeah. same name. Uh, that was very interestingly, this book was being bid on by film companies and directors before it came out. Huh. Is one of those like it, this is yeah, shit. He was a big writer at the time. He was a big writer at the time. He'd, he'd done a couple of other films and that all got. He had a period where two other films got adapted to. Please find out. Got adapted to films in the same, in the same era. And he was kind of this hot uh, novelist who was getting his uh, films adapted. Well, Crichton uh, wrote loads of things: The Andromeda Strain, uh, The Terminal Man. But interestingly, he also wrote Westworld, which has a lot of. Basically, oh. this, basically the same film. There's a park, Similar. and the things at the park go wrong and start to attack the the, the, the people, people at the park. The park. Yeah, hmm. I never thought about that comparison. Anyway, but it is. Um, but yeah, so with the backing of Universal, Spielberg acquired the rights for 1.5 million dollars, and Spielberg has since received 250 million from Jurassic Park since then. Wow. So quite a sound investment yes, yes, at the time. Fun fact I didn't know, James Cameron said that he wanted to buy the rights to this film, but they were bought a few hours before he tried. Mm. Um, and he said, he has since gone on to say that Spielberg was the right person to direct mm. this film because his version would have been a lot darker and would have been, quote, alien, but with dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. you can see where he was going with that. But he said that if it had been his version, it wouldn't have been fair because children just love dinosaurs. Yeah, because so, he would have turned it to the adult, yeah. I could totally see the film he would have mm. he would have made in my mind, but I thought that was quite interesting. Um, this movie and the book, like a lot of the films we talked about in this deep dive, had such an effect on people that it dramatically increased the number of people studying paleontology, right. the study of like dinosaurs and uh, fossils. So like with Top Gun, people joining the military. Military. To such an extent that universities across the US had to add more classes in paleontology. Right. So Do you think you that's why they wrote that Ross is a paleontologist in Friends? Ross, I wonder, Friends started in 94. Maybe it's like the Jurassic Park effect that paleontology was in the air. In the air. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. Um, it was produced by Kathleen Kennedy, yes. who's now helming sort of uh, Lucasfilm. Music was done by John Williams, mm, which is a very famous score. And those two were just just pinging off each yeah. other in every, in every which way. Uh, it had a production budget of $63 million, but it went on to have a marketing budget of $64 million. Wow. So the same amount of money into marketing. And then I thought about $63 million in 1993, and I think that is a lot of money. Yeah. 
But then to spend the equivalent on marketing. Marketing. James, merchandising. Merchandising. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Yeah. Like Partnerships. Yeah. Lunchboxes. Oh my God, I can see um, it. Which is crazy. I mean, I think it's hard for, it's hard to contextualize. I think obviously it wasn't live, but what that would have been like advertised. And I think thinking about the, the logo and the box art, I still haven't seen designs that look like Jurassic Park. What, of a film, of a, a poster, film. Like, you know, yeah. the, 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 the 2D bones, yeah, because it's, it's lucky it's being able to sell the film on a, a completely different type of graphic design, which is yeah. a, a design which is for amusement parks, yes, and it's co opted that into a, into a film symbol, so yeah, yeah brilliant, 100%. Yeah. Um, box office wise, it grossed over a billion dollars, dollars following the 3D re release in 2013, ah. and to this day, it is the oldest film in history to have surpassed a billion dollars in ticket sales. Wow. Um, it was the highest grossing film of 1993, and it outdid Spielberg's own E.T. from 1982 wow. as the then uh, highest, most successful film in history. Um, adjust Ooh, I'm being called. Um, adjusted for inflation, it would hold that record until Titanic in 97, and then uh, Cameron would outperform himself to do Avatar in 2009. Yeah. Um, Won a bunch of awards and uh, awards for visual effects and sound design. Right. Obviously, uh, Jurassic Park has since gone on to have a number of sequels, including The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3. Got rebooted in 2016 with Jurassic World. 2015. 2015 with Jurassic World. And then it got Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And then now we are getting Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion. Film stars um, Sam Neill as Alan Grant. Uh, yeah. Laura Dern as Ellie Sattler. Um, Jeff Goldblum as yeah. Ian Malcolm, who yeah. specializes in chaos theory. Chaos theory. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, also Samuel Jackson. Yes, Samuel Jackson. And Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Doing fantastic stuff. You know, Newman from Seinfeld. Uh, Wayne Knight is just one of those guys, the sweaty guy who's in Basic Instinct and Space Jam. And yep. just brilliant. Just, he, he, he's just that, he plays that guy. He is that guy. He's so close. And uh, Richard Attenborough. As yes, and Richard Attenborough. And if you didn't know, Jurassic Park is a film that follows this character called Dr. Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill, who is this paleontologist who runs this uh, research team with, with uh, Ellie Sattler, and they literally brush off fossils and yep. dinosaur bones. And he is a Stetson-wearing cowboy who doesn't get on with technology. And there's this first scene where he's trying to get this computer to work in the middle of a desert. And he says, ah, I hate, I hate technology. Mm. But he's really credited. He knows what he's talking about. And this one kid is like looking at this mm. representation of Velociraptor. He's like, doesn't look very scary to me. Looks mm. like a six-foot turkey. And Alan Grant, who also doesn't like children, basically yeah. intellectually destroys this kid yeah. by telling him how lethal Velociraptors are. Yeah. Jumps into who helicopters this guy helicopters into their research facility and speaks to Ellie Sattler and Sam Neill and says, I've created something yeah. and I've done something and I would love you to see it. Yeah. And they're like, What are you talking about? You just blew dust all over a, a multi million pound dig. It's like, Well, what if I what if I what if I backed you backed all of your research yeah. projects? And they say, yeah, we're in. But they don't actually know what yeah. he's done yet. John Hammond is dressed all in white. He kind of looks like what we would consider a very sort of Christian representation yeah, yeah. of God, like a biblical representation yeah, kind of, of God. Yeah, yeah, pious and pure and... and yes, noble, yeah. white beard, old white man. And they get taken off to this island and they're joined by Dr. Ian Malcolm, who is a mathematician of chaos theory, which is a ridiculous job. Yeah. They're joined by a lawyer yeah. who... And, and, oh, sleazy and weak. Sleazy yeah. lawyer just talking about the numbers yeah. and like the risk that they're taking. And um, the whole idea is that he needs to get the experts in this field approval so that they can get insurance to open yes. the park. Very specific. It's very specific. Yeah. And um, 
the re- the, what, what he does is he tells them that he's been able to find old mosquito fossils, which have been buried deep underground yeah. in this amber sap that has been lost and forgotten for tens of millions of years. And inside this amber sap is a mosquito that would have likely sucked the blood from a dinosaur in its time. And what they've done is they've gone into this mosquito, yeah. been able to take the DNA, pair it with a frogs yeah. or reptiles. To fill in the gaps. To fill in the gaps, which uh, we just uh, assume you that just all do. worked yeah, out. Yeah, great. And from that, they've been able to make dinosaurs. And there's this, they're sort of getting toured around the park, and they don't really kind of believe it until they see, for the first time, uh, a bronchiosaurus, and they see these dinosaurs moving in herds. And while that's all very well, and they've made the very friendly dinosaurs, there's this big reveal where... He also bred the dinosaurs that like to eat, like to hunt, yeah. like to kill. And there's this moment where it's like, you have a T-Rex? Yeah. You have a T-Rex. And then and there's this moment where uh, Dr. Grant is holding the egg of a newly hatched velociraptor. And it's only then that he realizes they've bred raptors. And only he understands the consequences yeah. of what happens. All, at the same time as this, I'm, I'm nearly done. No, um, a character called uh, Dennis Nedry, who's like this security Wayne hacker, Knight, Wayne, yeah. Knight, Wayne Knight's character, is also being paid by this rival company to steal the DNA samples yeah. to copy the, the idea. And, you know, you just implied that they're just trying to steal it. Um, he sabotages the park and he steals, he's, he's on a plot to steal the DNA sequences. And by doing so, he locks the, the, the rest of the administrators out of control yeah. of the park. Dinosaurs escape and everything goes wrong that is jurassic park and it's all about just getting off the island um that's the that's the plot that's like a good background of what jurassic park is george you said you had had a very sort of (laughs) scattered relationship with it you've just rewatched it as a a fully grown male yes what did you make of it well i think it will surprise no one to for me to say that i really enjoyed it it's still nearly 30 years later incredibly enjoyable i loved it so much fun with it yeah look i mean where to start just to respond to a couple of things you said, mm. um, when you say like uh, Alan Grant is the Stetson wearing, you know, kind of cowboy. cowboy figure, but he's also such a dad, even though he like doesn't like children, he looks like a dad. Yes. He like talks like a dad. He's not like cool and like pouty. He's just like, just like, I want to get on with my archaeological day. And, and there's and this whole it. idea that uh, Dr. Hammond, or Dr. Professor Hammond's grandkids yes. are on the tour as well yes. and they're enjoying it, but they're also like this test barometer for yes. whether or not kids will enjoy this. No, and it's this weird mishmash of doctors, professors, lawyers, Lawyers, law, uh, lawyers and children yeah. and no one really wants to and do also, that and also I don't know if you mentioned it but uh, Ellie Sattler and Dr. Grant are meant to be in a relationship yes. but it's very underplayed very, you never see them kiss or no. they maybe embrace once but it's but very it's, almost could, platonic friends could, yeah. they could easily be friends you, you, you could go this whole film without really knowing the only time it's made aware is when Jeff Goldblum's character says it's flirting, you know yeah. it's like so you and her are you uh, <laughs> yeah. he's like yeah I don't know Um, but he still goes on to fly with her and rub water and that's a great scene so what did I make of Jurassic Park well it's interesting following our discussion about Jaws last year when we did a deep dive talking about Spielberg's career so Jaws obviously was one of one of not the first one of Spielberg's like first films and we talked about how the constraints in that film honed him into being quite a sharp director and being very efficient being up against it on the Jaws shoe and what I find interesting about Jurassic Park because when you think about it you think big dinosaurs big scale I was surprised how pared back a lot of the film is and I think that is a secret to its success you talked about how the dinosaurs only have 50 minutes of runtime. Yeah. that actually makes total total sense so suspense for ages fantastic. you don't see one for ages so what i love is you're going into this film you know it's gonna be about dinosaurs and and you know that huge 64 million dollar marketing budget yeah. probably helped and then you have that opening scene where you have lines and lines of armed guards yes. stood 
with um, shooter. Yeah, with, with <laughs> strong spotlights with the um, <laughs> right, shush, with the uh, mist going through the beams, yeah. and they're all stood staring at the trees. And it's just sounds and, yeah, and shadows. Yeah, and something's coming through the trees, and it's very ominous. And 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 um, they re- the, the camera really like exaggerates like the physiognomy of the gamekeeper's like face, the pointed like face looking yeah. in the bushes. And then it's not a dinosaur coming through the bushes, which you expect it to be. It's a delivery of a dinosaur. And then um, you know the, the delivery goes wrong, and someone gets killed, which is why they need to verify the insurance later on. Actually, yeah. so that's an example <coughs> um, of it being pared back. There's no spectacle there. And I think what stood out is. I, I that, that sense of like d- of, of of danger yeah. is now there because of that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a way of um, successfully instilling threat and fear in an audience by mm. really, but you only see a raptor's eye. Yes, that tie thing. I mean, it's it's basically like and horror his, movie um, stuff. monologue later is like when they look you in the eye. Yeah, you can yeah. tell that they know they're reading exactly. you. Exactly. Like, there's an old rule with uh, monster movies where like you show like the eye in the first bit, then you show a yes. foot then you hear a sound, and then you see the full monster, right? Yes. And, and, and this Jurassic, you know, Jurassic Park obeys those rules. But I find it interesting, I find it interesting the balance between threat and spectacle. Because yeah. when I think of Jurassic World Dominion, and the, you know, the, I haven't seen it, the trailer, of the, the, the raptor the thingy jump, running, running through roof. Rome or wherever it is, jumping on the, like, makes me feel nothing. Yeah. But what I, I'm impressed by in Jurassic Park is how even when the dinosaurs are there, the interactions are incredibly tight, yeah, and folks, you think about that first T-Rex scene. Mm-hmm. The T-Rex isn't like Unbelievable. Roaming. I mean, I know he chases the Jeep later. Yes, but but, but he comes in and it's all about him interacting with the tr- with a with this Jeep. Yeah. With the children t- he's knocking it. He sniffs it. His eye goes next to it. He's and trying to figure out what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And and but the but the threat is very high, mm. but the spectacle is incredibly sort of contained. And I think that's a really interesting balance that I think the later films lose. I, th- I think it's... Okay. That's outside. This is something outside. Honestly, oh, that sorry. road is mental. I it was the door. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's interesting you talk about how you, you were surprised by how sort of pared back it was. And right. I think it's hard to remember that if you're just looking at the new films. Yes. Cause, uh, and I don't want to sort of go on a, a, slang, a slanging match of the new ones, but it, 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 they're, not, they're not as pared back yeah. as they just threw all the toys out the box and said, ah, what if this happened? Whereas the first one is very like contained, yeah. Should we just shut the windows? I feel yeah, like sorry, it's a beeping. You go for it, you go for it. Yeah, and you know, a lot of this film is just people in rooms talking. Yeah, particularly in the second act, it's really like it's almost a bit stagey. The bit where they're in the bunker and it's Malcolm and uh, Hammond and Ellie Sattler and the gamekeeper. It's just the four of them. Yeah, and, uh, Sam uh, Jackson as well. And Sam Jackson. What we'll say is, when things go wrong and the park like shuts down, I'm like, where are all those armed guards from the beginning of the film? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like the park is run by three people. <laughs> yeah, it was like when that. it all goes wrong, it's just Sam Jackson and, and everyone was <laughs> on bank holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Um, <laughs> I assume the the inference is that. They're like scattered across the park and you can't communicate with them. Yeah. Um, I think that was it. The communications were down. So, so I think that is what stood out for me. This kind of balance between big, big spectacle, but actually contained and pared down to tight moments. Um, I think it's quite in- obvious that Ian Malcolm was meant to die at some point <laughs> or get written out because he has lots to say in the first half and in the second half I think he has about two lines well, must go faster yeah and I was thinking all of his lines could have been said by another character it, it, he just sort of like finishes people's sentences sure. there, and he's just there with his shirt open, oh that, that, that I mean that's a famous yeah. memed uh, moment where he's just sweaty like I know I'm ridiculous open, but yeah. I um, I also loved um, other kind of details in it like with um, I loved Hammond when 
things start to go wrong and he's eating the ice cream, yes. which is melting. Oh, it's incredible. And he's like, when I first came down from Scotland, we, you know, I had a flea circus. And, yeah. I, and he tells this wonderful tale and Eddie Sattler sort of says, yeah, but it's still, a, it's not real now. It's, it's one of my favorite shots is when uh, it's all, it's all gone to, to shit. And he's just, you, there's this wonderful shot where it just goes through all the pencil cases, lunch boxes, yeah. uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste, all the merchandise that will now never be realized. Yeah. And it, it's a wonderful uh, reminder of what the park could have been, mm. and you know, like sort of Jurassic World is gone uh, there, and it's sort of given you that illusion. But I thought that's such a great shot to yeah. see, like what this could never have never yeah. have happened. But it was it was all yeah. ready to like go. The Emperor sat with his fallen dreams. Yes, it's just something very 100%. poetic about it, and yeah, that 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 really came across. I mean. You you say you've rewatched it like loads and loads of times throughout yeah. your life. What stood out this time? So yeah, I've seen I've seen this film many times, and now watching it again, there are things which I'm now forcing myself to pay attention to. Yeah. And now when I watch it, I I have this sense of this is the perfect film. It's mm -hmm. the perfect film because it is just it's just clean. Yeah. Everything is what I would call, and what you said about him becoming a very concise and, and disciplined, efficient, yeah, yeah. efficient filmmaker. I don't think there is a single shot in this film that lasts too long. Yeah. There's not a single bit which feels rushed. Everything feels so planned out, and yeah. and and you can see the three act structure. Like, and that's act yeah. one, and it's the moment where he goes, "How the hell are you gonna do this?" And he goes, "I'll show you." Yeah. And, and that scene in particular is is one of my favorite scenes ever because of because of so many reasons. Like, a the editing is fantastic. It's this incredible reveal of the spectacle of the dinosaurs. Mm. You've got this wonderful sense where you actually see the scale of a bronchiosaurus for the first time. Yeah. But even before you do, the way in which they see it first. Yeah. The audience hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. Ellie Sattler is reading a book oh, yeah, yeah. about what dinosaurs would likely have been, which yeah. is just completely irrelevant yeah. because there they are right yeah. there. And she's like, what? What? She's yeah. like, what is it? Yeah. And then her face realizes she takes her sunglasses off and yeah. it's just in this, just reacting completely. You then hear the footsteps of this dinosaur and this wide shot, they jump out the Jeep and the camera does this exact thing which I was telling you about earlier where it's able to truck and tilt up to reveal yes. the full height of the dinosaur. And the lawyer is saying like, we're gonna make so yeah, much yeah. money. And Alan Grant, uh, Sam Neill, is doing this amazing thing where he is basically floored by the prospect of what he's seeing because I can imagine he he's yeah. computing so much. There are so many consequences to what this means. And there's a moment where the music rises and he like looks right into the camera and like da da da. Yeah. And there's a great moment where he says, "How did you do this?" And John Hammond says. I'll show you. Yeah. And you can just know, like, we've introduced our characters, yep. we've introduced the world, we know what's happening, and it's just, you've got act yeah. two stuff now, which is more detail about mm. the plot, and then you've got the moment where everything mm. goes wrong and that's act three, and it, it it is so concise, and I think you being able to enjoy it mm. just as much now as you would have done 20 years ago is mm. a testament to how good that film is. I think, nearly 30 years ago, I think, what, years ago. Uh, I think like you could have watched it. I think basically what ago. the art of these kind of like a well-made blockbuster is to take a ludicrous concept mm. and like reverse engineer it all the way back to of like, how do I get an audience to engage with this and, and not reject this idea? Yeah. Yes. How can I get an audience to, to you know, take this hook, line and sink without... Yeah, rejecting it, almost like you're trying to get someone to eat something you know, that's strange. And it's all those things, like when they see the bronchiosaurus, it's like, why don't we show the face reaction first and, and that kind of thing. It's to get an audience all the way invested. And you see Spielberg doing it, like this is an art to get someone to believe in walking dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you, uh, you've talked to me before, you love the raptors, right? And it's seen like, yeah. the, like the, 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 the... It's one of those things where I think, you know, the T-Rex gets the cover of the mm. poster and the Bronchiosaurus gets the big dinosaur reveal, but the the 
the, all, the, the villain in pretty much all of them, the, the, the dinosaurs that steal the show is always the velociraptors. Yeah. And this is established from the first two scenes, right? You've got the first yes. scene where the guy gets killed and you yeah. get the stakes there. And then that scene when he just where Dr. Alan Grant destroys that little kid for being ignorant and mm. tells him about the threat oh, and yeah. how they, you know, look at him. He would have been, he would have been f- big, maybe six feet tall, but fast like a cheetah. Mm. And they hunted like wolves. And while you were looking at him, his two brothers have already got you and you yeah. weren't paying attention and you get immediately those, uh, those that mistakes you're talking about. Yeah. With the gamekeeper. Yes, yeah, 100%. And he's yeah. like, clever girl. Yeah, 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 and he, yeah. he, he, even though that guy knew, he was still outsmarted. And that's why that scene in the kitchen with the raptors later oh, is so good. Because the reveal you, of them opening the, the yeah. door handle incredible i love that and, yeah. and that scene also sorry it, it when you said it, it's like a horror a horror film for kids mm. that's like something that in a if you in another film could be like a disney channel original horror thing yeah but it, it's it's such an amazing scene when the raptors come in she's trying to close the close yeah yeah the yeah, oven. yeah, yeah. and like i mean it reminds me of that scene in aliens where the do you remember that bit in aliens where they're sleeping in the lab and it's her and newton she wakes up and she just sees the empty uh I know I'm bringing back a film you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. The Empty Vase, which contains a face hugger, and it's just... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's put it in the room, and she's like... That's what that scene reminds me of. You can see the aliens' DNA, alien, alien's Uh, DNA, all in this film. Yeah, yeah. Sequences, which could easily be in the Nostromo, like trying to get the power back on. Yes, yeah. Oh, my God, the, the, the language in it is like... I, I, it's, a, it's a children's horror film. I can't remember if I've said that already, but yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a horror film for children. Um, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, I wanted to... Uh, Jeff Goldblum's an interesting point in this film because I know Jeff's... The, the scene you mentioned with, with Grant where he's talking about the raptor to the to kid. The kid. He, the kid is like, they look yeah, like yeah. turkeys and he gets out the, the raptor claw and says, they'd slice you and they'd get you. For me, that's almost like a... Uh, watered down version of the the, the the quint speech in jaws right yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know like here's the description of the beast the and horror you're about to yeah face and you're going to get it later and when he does that speech there's the sound of uh uh like a raven or something like some sort of bird like cacawing like ricocheting around the valley where they're in and it's sort of like and it's like it creates a very eerie tone and you're just yeah. like spielberg you're working on so many levels yeah um, but, but I want to talk about Jeff Goldblum because yes, Jeff Goldblum please. is now like this very idiosyncratic figure in our in our culture, right? And he's everywhere. And he's yeah, he's got a jazz album and he's in this and whatever. And, and he's a, he's a mathematician that's dressed like a rock star. <laughs> yeah, but because yeah, that's what John Le- Hammond says. This is Black like, leather pants. I brought scientists. You brought a rock star. But, <laughs> yeah. but the idea was, of course, that he he just wants to wear clothes that he doesn't have to think about. He just sort of throws on. Yes. I do know people who uh, you know I work with people who are brilliantly genius mm. but like, in, like chaos all over them because yes, they, they yeah. live up here they just they, blah, blah, blah. and you, you, know, you get some people who are very lots you know, of um, very successful people wear the same thing every day yeah. Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day lots of top football managers yeah. wore the same thing they don't have to think about it yeah, Mark exactly. Zuckerberg wears the he wears a blue t-shirt blue jeans yeah exactly um, so uh, so yeah Jeff Goldman Dr. Was in Ian it. Malcolm <laughs> Dr. Ian <laughs> yeah. Malcolm as this chaos the- theorician and I, I, you know, I, I like Jeff Goldblum. I think he works. And I, um, he comes at an interesting point because I, I want to bring up a film I watched last year with him in from the same era, from 93. Oh, no, no, maybe 92, actually. Yeah, okay. 92. So just before this was made, called Deep Cover with Lawrence Fishburne. And Deep Cover, it's like a crime film in LA. And Jeff Goldblum plays a lawyer who gets like, embroiled in the drug world. And he becomes like, he goes from being sort of like an honorable guy to being kind of um, weird. And, you know, honestly, I, I think I said this at the time, Jeff Goldblum's, performance is so strange in it he delivers his lines like he's having an epiphany and uh, forgotten his lines at the same time so right so, so, so he's kind of going um yes well well let's do it 
Let's let's go. That'll be very funny. And yeah. I'm like, Jeff, you can't be like this in all your films. Surely, yeah. surely not. Anyway, then so when I watched him in Jurassic Park, I was like, you've just come off the back of doing that. Um, sorry. Also, just remembered the very my favorite line in the film is when uh, they get off to help the injured, the, the sick animal, and Jeff Goldblum just goes, you know, the massive pile of dog. <laughs> yeah. There's this huge pile it's of dog. It's this huge pile of dog. He walks over to it, takes off his glasses, and he goes. Wow, that is a ginormous piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a lot of shit. Um, and um, but I think it really works to have this someone who deals in chaos to deal to have this kind of chaos about consequences, about, and yeah, has this repercussions. Kind of and then what works is that when Jeff Goldblum and Ian Malcolm has to talk about the consequences, he becomes very still, very still, very delivers this amazing oh, line. Oh, you you never thought of you could, should, but you never thought of you could. No, mm. you're too, you're too focused on whether you could. You never thought about you should. You never stopped to think about whether or not you should. So, uh, you know, things adapt. Life, well, um, it finds a way. It uh, finds a way. Uh, Yes, and and so he has that kind of stillness, and um, I and, and, and I appreciate him as a foil to Sam Neill in this. A hundred percent, a brilliant and, foil. And the way he you know flirts with Ellie Satlin yeah. you know, to explain chaos theory. I'm gonna drop a water to see that little and the slight imperfection. And the way in which he talks it, like in that scene specifically, feels really natural. It feel it didn't feel like the dialogue. There's lots of little ums and ahs and things. Yes, they're, they're overlapping the dialogue, and it genuinely felt yeah. like two people talking. It yeah. felt really natural. There could have been a very sort of hokey, like, and now we're going to get the science character to, to come flirt. in and say why. Oh no, but also to say why this is a bad idea. Yes. and the science person. But Goldblum's yeah. acting style makes yeah. it feel like he's actually figuring it out. You yeah. never really thought about it. It, it yeah. feels natural, organic. Yeah. Um, to the, the scene. Yeah, and he, 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 Jeff Goldblum is a big flirt. And yeah, yeah. you get him to flirt and that, that, that scene just works. And so that, 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 there's a specific moment in, in Jurassic Park when they're all just in the Jeeps and there's nothing interesting going out on outside. So everyone's just talking in the Jeeps. Yeah. And you get these wonderful little moments yeah. where like the kid is trying to interact with Alan Grant and he's like, I don't want yeah, yeah, yeah. to be here. And then, um, then when they all leave and Jeff Gordon's left alone in the Jeep for a bit, when they go to oh. see the sick dinosaur, and he's like, and now I'm on my own talking yeah. to myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's an amazing shot when is iconic when he's he's in the back of the jeep being chased by the T-Rex and he, and he can see it coming and there's this moment where the driver looks at the wind mirror and written on the yeah, wind mirror yeah. which is written on pretty much almost most like truck wind mirrors is objects may appear larger than <laughs> yeah, in real yeah, life yeah. and the thing in there is a T-Rex so I think it's such an amazing yeah. attention to detail yeah. touch it's 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 clear that Spielberg thinks in imagery all the time he thinks in cinema you know with, with that you know yes I did like he, he, he that is visual wit and he's clearly just thinking about Great images all the time, and the also the yeah the that, dilophosaurus, that dilophosaurus the ink one that's like a horror that's a horror idea yeah, that's, that this blinding yeah this ink. goo is horrible like. and they establish it really really early on in the film in this passing comment where's the dilophosaurus it is a dinosaur that when used to protect itself sprays poisonous uh, yeah. black ink and it's like just there so you know when that yeah. dinosaur but we'll there. suspend it because it won't be here now but you'll have to catch up it's the later. stick the stick stupid go get oh, the stick oh god yeah. Um, the only thing I was thinking um, is I think it ends quite abruptly. I see what uh, you, 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 I see what what you mean. mean. So they so they they get saved by the T Rex, very like far fetched. But the T Rex just comes in, swoops up the Velociraptor as it's about to eat them. Yes, and then the other Velociraptor going to you know, attack the T Rex, and then they run out and they all get into the helicopter and I assume everyone else in the park is dead. Yeah. Because they just leave them behind. They get in a helicopter. I don't know who's flying that helicopter. Just someone. And they just go up. across the ocean into the sunset. He's got the kids on them, on, on, on him. Alan and he's of course learned so to care with children. So now he's now learned to care with the yeah. children and she's looking at him like, this is great. And they fly away into the sunset and it's directed by Steven Spielberg. And I was like, oh, that's the... That's it. That's the, there's no sort of like... 
clean up. There's no like shot back to the island. Like in Eastern Jurassic World, they then they shot back to the island to show that the, like the T Rex was king. Do yes. Were the were the Triceratops flying with them? Or no. is that a different? No, is that a different film? I think that's different. I think, I think it's a different the Avatar trailer. <laughs> the new Avatar <laughs> trailer. <laughs> no, no, no it's, it's a bird flying alongside the helicopter. But it's not a it's not a dinosaur, and the whole oh, point is right, obviously right. birds. They, there's a whole thing in the film they keep saying about how birds share more in common with DNA with dinosaurs. Yes, yes, yes. So maybe it's like a subtle thing that like oh, um, you know, they'll learn to adapt. I wonder. But if it's, it's was, not got any baggage. It's just like yeah, it's over. It's over. That's it. And, and, and we're alive. done. There we go. Steven's got to go off and finish in this list, and we yes. must release it. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> George just spilled water all over his hand. Is that okay? Wipe it with the towel. Is that okay? Is that a towel? Oh my God! Oh God! George just fell. All right, I'm gonna get some tissue. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. On the table. Did you laugh the Instant reaction. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, right. I've just, I've almost destroyed my laptop. But it's on. Okay. That'd been my laptop. <laughs> I did look at that and I thought, that's precarious. I, I'm quite good at having water a good like foot away from my laptop as a general rule. But with that, in, no one was safe. Tissue, you know, is there? Oh, sorry, John. Top's cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give, but give it an open. Yeah, you're, you're fine. Mm. Yeah, I think you, you, you were very lucky. Yeah. Is my laptop okay? Okay. Um, okay, as you were. <laughs> I'll give you that yeah, in, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, we're um, back. Laptop is dry. Table is dry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that happened. Just, uh, like, just boom. Yeah. I knew your limbs would get you into trouble no. at one point because uh, they just shoot off. God. Okay. Uh, um, I was going to say. It ends very cleanly. Uh, ends very cleanly. It's like, uh, boom, Stephen's got to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to happen. Boom. Stephen's got to go. Edit Shinder's list. That is it. That is done. Um, do you not think, though, that there was uh, ever an idea for a sequel that said that the canister that Dennis Nedry had, the, the fake shower foam that had embryos in it, would be rediscovered because it, it you see it fall into a pile of it's, mud that's then like built upon? Is yeah, and the water sort of flows over it, and it's sort of shown that it was left, yeah, and someone else could easily pick it up. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but it would easy. have to have been preserved or something. I don't know, whatever. They'll leave yeah. that for another sequel. But anyway. Um, I, I feel discombobulated now the water things happen but yeah. back to it Jurassic World then I'm really glad that we, I've basically seen it for the first time Jurassic Park yes <laughs> so Jurassic Park I'm very glad I've seen it basically for the first time yes um, and you've seen it for the umpteenth time yes um, I guess I am more open to seeing the newer one now I don't think it'll be a very great experience but tell you what when I saw Jurassic World in 2015 in the cinema it was okay. Yeah. Do you know what made it really nice? Is I went to see it and there were these kids behind me. I with know their, the story. Yeah, with their mum, right? And I heard the kid throughout the film going like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, oh, that's quite sweet. And at the end, I was like, yeah, that's kind of fine. And as the credits were rolling, I heard this kid say to his mum, that was the best movie I've ever seen. And yeah. I was like, I will, I, I daren't take that away from you. That, yeah. is, that is wonderful. It's, um, it's I, I thought you just said about it being it being simple is 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 so so important when you talk about Jurassic Park and it's not to its detriment. Yeah. And there is no evil villain. The John yeah. Hammond is not a bad person. No. He made probably a He's bad foolish, call. Yeah. But you never are like that person's evil. I don't yeah. really think uh, Dennis Nedry is evil. I just think no. he wanted some money. And um, 
I think I think that's such a nice idea of it, and I don't like that the new ones decided to make the the, the scientist guy this like guy with malicious intent. Oh, B D Wong, who's in BD Jurassic Wong, Park. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, he 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 wasn't that character yeah. in the first one. You've invented him. It's like we must make the dinosaurs at all costs. I'm like, that's not really what Jurassic Park is about. No. It's, it's this like horrible accident. Um, and it's, it's just full it's of it's chaos when things just it's don't, chaos don't, yeah, yeah. You, you leave things going like uh, uh, yeah. nature will find, finds a way uh, just the la last shot I wanted to call out which I think was really good when the kids uh, are safe and they stumble upon this spread of desserts and oh, they're yeah. just eating the jelly and the ice cream and the yogurts and they see the shadow of a velociraptor yeah. next to uh, a stuffed uh, toy next to a yeah. stuffed toy and they, they both like literally faces full of yogurt just look at each other and the jelly on the spoon yeah. it's a, it's is a, it's a gif now i've seen it shared it's a time. the green jelly and her face is like <gasps> and another shot we've actually not talked about is the the water the the, the footsteps and the water vibrating oh, iconic which, like just live in so my brain iconic like has been parodied has been used actually as a serious uh yeah. way to build suspension but Unbelievable the tension and, and the DNA of Jaws. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And you're right, the, the DNA of Jaws. And in the water, again, like in, in the cup, it's just it's just so brilliant. And you know, it, the, yeah, it's like that scene in Jaws we talked about before with the, um, the fishing, rod, the fishing, fishing rod. rod building that suspense. Again, you don't need to see the jaw the shark in Jaws. And you and Spielberg knows you don't really need to see the dinosaur to have a good time. No. That's the great payoff, but you don't really need to see it. So yeah. Uh, great stuff, Stephen. They may, may, long may that film live on. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen it recently, go and rewatch it and let us know your Still thoughts. Good. Or maybe you're a stalwart of it and you love it. Or, I mean, maybe you don't like it, but I, I would, I'd be surprised I'm if you did. to hear like, some criticisms of yeah. it that aren't, oh, where are all the guards? There is one which, scene that, with the bronchiosaurus in the tree when they're feeding it, the animatronic yeah, one, which is that, a that's a bit Disney. That yeah. could go. That's the only scene I thought, this is really She gets covered in slime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it sneezes on her. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that scene is trying to remind the audience that not all dinosaurs are, are bad. Is they a Vegisaurus or a, was it Mediosaurus? Yeah, Mediosaurus. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's and then it's the scene where like Alan Grant is connecting with the kids because yeah, now he's responsible for them, and she's having like a panic attack, and he's like, "It's okay." Yeah. But yeah, I do what you mean. Anyway, um, so there you Park. go. That is that Good is stuff. Jurassic Park. I think. I feel like I feel oh, like we one of the things. Oh, yes, sorry, on. one thing I just remembered. Apparently, Jim Carrey was going to get cast as Ian Malcolm. Oh, oh wow, what an but, interesting! But, and they said he was good, but he was just like too wild. I think, and just something about Jeff Goldblum. Maybe because he played a scientist in The Fly, just, just yeah. connected more. God, that would have been a different, different vibe completely. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, that is uh, Jurassic Park. I mean, even if you haven't rewatched it, I feel like we've given you a good sense of the context of that film, why it's fantastic, mm -hmm. um, anything you might have missed, all those little details. We do. We want to do many more of these deep dives. I don't think we've got yeah. any more in our in our heads. No, but, but we'll come back to them. Yeah. We're definitely going to do them. Um, we both really enjoy just like talking about a film in depth because I feel like on this yeah. podcast, we bring up 50 films a podcast, exactly, which we, is we always really fun. Ground and sometimes it's nice to just come back to one and, and just focus go, on one we're film. We're going to discuss it. We're going to have rewatched it. It's all going to be fresh in our mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought. Let us know your impressions of Jurassic Park and yeah thank you so much for listening okay George your turn to play this game now I did it last week you have to guess the film based on the cast yeah I'm gonna say a member of the cast every two to three seconds and you have to I'll yep. keep going until you guess the film and I'll sort of you won't get the most important member of the cast at the beginning and it will trickle in okay. are you ready for your first film bring it on yeah Ready. Guess the film by its cast in three, two, one. 
David Cross, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood. Um, 13 going on 13. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, shit. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. Is in it as an actor? Uh, 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 Kate Winslet. Last one. Jim Carrey. The Mars? The answer is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind. Kirsten Dunst is in... Of course... Course. Yep. And Tom Wilkinson actually you did mention. Yes. Oh yeah, he's also in there. Mark Ruffalo. He's Mark down. Ruffalo in it. He's one of the guys who's, who's doing, doing the, the thing. techie things. Yeah. Elijah Woody. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. Almost there. All right. This did is, you get it? This game is almost unwinnable. <laughs> it's you, it's you, really you, hard. Playing the game is hard because you take the first person and it throws you, and you're yeah. just thinking about their their title roles. Okay. Okay. Next film, George. You've got to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Rain Wilson. Juno. <gasps> Whoa! Do you know what? I knew Whoa! it. Because Rain Wilson is in one scene in Juno, and he's the, he's the cl- cl- grocery store clerk right at the beginning. He really broke my table. Uh, wow. And, and I knew that. I knew you were going to... Because you could never start with the biggest star. And I thought, what's Jesus a film I've seen Christ. where Rain Wilson plays a tiny role? So you also could have had uh, Candace King, um, Alison Janney, J.K. Simmons, Olivia Tulby, Jennifer Garner, Jason Bateman... Elliot Page, Michael Sarah. Okay. <laughs> Next film. George, guess the film based on the cast. Fred Willard. Um, Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> Got you it. Have come to Got the it. Oh my God. <laughs> Very good. Straight he plays away. the head of the network, doesn't he? Plays he the head of the network. You could have had uh, Chris Parnell. Yep. Uh, John Apatow's in it. Apparently. Yeah, he's one of, he's like Chris Pound, he's one of the like Chris Pound, um David Kochner. David Kochner, Kochner yeah. uh, Adam McKay, yep. Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Will Farrell, Christina Applegate. Yep. Um very good. you also could have taken me down at Jack Black, Jack uh, Black. Luke Wilson, Tim Robbins. You remember all the other loads, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've got two. You've got two on the first one, yeah. which is very impressive. All right, George. Guess the film based on its cast. Alex Karpovsky. Hell Caesar. Stark Sands. Sands. What was the second one? Stark Sands. Let's see if I know who that is. F. Murray Abraham. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Nope. Garrett Headland. Tron Legacy. Nope. John Goodman. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, next ones would have been. Oh, yeah, he's like, well, yeah. yeah. Very good. And then Very you could have had uh, Carrie Mulligan, Justin Timberlake, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac. Have you seen that film? Yeah, yeah. I really, fantastic. I, I, yeah, I, for ages, people would tell me to watch it, and I knew a couple of people who really didn't like it, but it kept getting recommended. And oh, I watched so it, and like, it's fantastic. Uh, just Oscar it. Isaac as well. Like, yeah. I, know, I mean, he's so rated, but his performance in that, I don't think it's talked have about enough. Have you heard the theory about that film? Because you know, it's it, the, the, the twist it. at the end is that it's all been, you think it's been like... It, it's it's been the week, hasn't it? It's been looking back at the previous week instead of it happening. There's something about the time at the end where, like, you realise that you think it's been happening in chronological order, but what you realise is that he's been looking back at the previous week that's happened. I think something like that. Oh. Think, well, whatever. I'm, I might be mistaken. Because of the cat. Whatever. No, I don't know. I don't know. But but there's a theory that um, 
he because it ends with him seeing Bob Dylan play in yeah. the club, and, and he realizes like the times they are changing. And there's some theory online that says that he's been so startled and shocked by seeing Dylan that he because he realizes it's all over. Yeah, that this whole film is him like snapping back and looking at the week that's led him to the end of his journey. Oh wow! So it, the, the journey is actually the film is actually the, the last days of his journey. Oh uh, right, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird I to anyway. really think about it, but um, yeah, yeah. Great cat, best supporting actor award best should have gone to the cat. cat. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, George, you got to guess the film based on its cast. In three, two, one. Peter Stormare. Ch- Chocolat. Will Patton. Twenty Two Jump Street. Will Patton. Owen Wilson. Uh, fudge. William Fitchner. Oh, he's great. He's in loads. Uh, oh, with and Peter Stormare. Great. Billy uh, Bob Thornton. Fargo. Fargo. No. I'm Steve Buscemi. Fargo. Nope. Uh, uh, Liv Tyler. A simple plan? Nope. No. No. Uh, a simple favor? Uh, ben Affleck. Armageddon? Yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah, he's he's a really weird guy. He's the Russian guy in the uh, International right. Space I, Station. I don't think I've seen I, it. I don't remember. Actually, that's yeah. what. That's Liv who he Tyler plays. and Ben Affleck. What got it for me? Yeah, and then you would have had Bruce Willis. That would have been uh, it. Okay, <sighs> last one. Oh God, I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> um, I don't want to fall. Yeah, yeah, this will be fun. Cause I miss you, baby, and I don't want to be the last. Liv Tyler, daughter of. Uh, Steve yeah, I know. Tyler. Yeah. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, are you new? Uh, George, yeah. last one. You've done very well. Guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> come on. Come on. Kelly Preston. C- uh, come on. You're going to give me ones I know. I, 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 come on. Regina King. Okay. Independence Day. Nope. Enemy of the State. Bonnie Hunt. Come on, you're just naming names. <laughs> you're making <laughs> these up now. Gary Cooper Smith Gooding Jr. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, Jerry oh, Maguire. Okay. And the next one's been Renee Zellweger and Tom Cruise. Ah, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, great. Oh, sorry, I was meant to say Jonathan Lipnicki next. Oh, oh, Jonathan Lipnicki. Oh, Jonathan Lipnicki. Well, there you go. That was another I round s- of yeah. guess the film but based just, on the cast. Did 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 very well. Yeah. If you can do that, if anyone can get it in one. Oh, if you got it in one. Yeah. That's it. That's the game. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We post a new episode of this show every single Wednesday. Uh, Yeah, every single Wednesday. Sound a bit more certain. (laughs) Yeah, it's Wednesday, and we also post lots of other stuff on the channel throughout the week. Extra stuff, things that deserve their own space that aren't in the original episode. Yeah, we review films separately. We put them up as their own thing, their own videos, their own audio things. So look out for those. Uh, Don't have any reviews this week, I don't think. No. Doesn't matter. There's Doesn't loads matter. of the channel that <laughs> to take to fill up your time. Like and subscribe. Uh, go give the YouTube some love if you're listening. I've just got an yeah. email. Oh, it's a question from someone. I've literally just got a question on an email. It? No, well, I'll save <laughs> it for the next episode. But if We're you wanted time. to write in to the show, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Um, we will see you next week. Very much looking forward to it. Thank, Thank you very you. much for listening. And good night.
Thank mm-hmm. you.